Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the latest episode of The Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro Kevin Crane. Episode 91, May the 12th, 2023. As always, glad to have you aboard for this extravaganza. Lots to talk about this week. Lots of big, awesome new music news. Couple little tidbits in the touring world. Of course, we will have our reviews and breakdown, our anniversaries and our birthdays in I Want to Go Back. And we have got a whole lot of brand new music that's coming up in the, the next few weeks as we wrap it up in segment four. But enough with the pleasantries, enough with the introductions. Let's get into the first segment, News of the World, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, as always, leading off every episode of The Fortress of Rock. Got some controversial stuff some of these guys from the 80s are saying and doing. Within the last few weeks, Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister and Paul Stanley of Kiss, of course, have been speaking out against gender reassignment surgery for kids. Now, bear in mind that I do not like to get political on this show, but I will say this. They have every right to say what they want about gender assignment surgery for kids. Now, if you want my personal opinion, I always fall back into the world of science and logic. If you're born a guy, you're a guy. It's not like flipping a light switch on and off. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Science says you are what you are born as. And I don't want to hear the rationalizations and the excuses. You can change your mind as you read a menu at a restaurant. You don't change your mind about the equipment that you were born with between your legs. And I was kind of worried Dee Snyder was going off the rails um, in terms of politics and and talking about how Twisted Sister was going to get together only for certain political rallies. Um, But I just think it's the logical take. I'm sorry, but I do. This is one of the few issues where I can't see the other side. I just can't. Abortion, I can see both sides. Gun control, I can see both sides. But kids having gender assignment surgery is wrong. They're not old enough to make that decision. And teachers and parents should not get into it. They should let them evolve as who they are. And once they become adults, then they can make the decision for themselves. And again, if you don't like it, sorry. 
I think you're wrong. Obviously, D. Snyder and Paul Stanley side with me. But again, it's about free speech. You're entitled to your opinion, and you can tell me I'm wrong, and that's perfectly fine. But we don't have the right. The trolls living in their mother's basement don't have the right to try to ruin people's careers, call them every name in the book because they don't agree with you. And Stephen Piercy of Rat. God bless Stephen Piercy. And now, number one, Rat's one of my all-time favorite bands, so you can say I'm biased on this, and that's fine. But when guys that I respect and admire in the world of rock and roll come out and side with me when it comes to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, side with guys like Eddie Trunk, we need more people being vocal from the bands from the 80s. Motley Crue needs to step up. And of course, Stephen Piercy referenced them as he went on a little mini tirade, a mini rant here within the last few days about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You guys know how I feel about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's garbage. It's a joke. They're disgusting. They're bitter. They're spiteful. They're vindictive beyond belief. And I am going to curse because I have to do a direct quote here. So if you got kid, the kids in the car, turn down the volume for 15 seconds. Stephen Piercy comes out and says the Rock Hall of Fame doesn't give a shit about 80s bands. And I completely, totally 100% agree with him. Now he went on to tack on the fact that those bands that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has such disdain for are bands that made the record labels billions of dollars during that decade. And I, again, completely, wholeheartedly, 100% agree with Stephen Piercy. Will this do anything? Will this make any changes happen with the Rock Hall of Fame? No. They'll probably find a way to induct an even worse class in 2024 than they did in 2023. We should revolt as rock and roll fans, the bands, the performers from the 70s and the 80s. We should revolt. I can't believe that I actually took the time out of my life, even though in the end it only amounted to about 15 minutes of my life. But I took the time to vote as often as I could last month for the fan vote, for the 0.01% that it mattered to try to get Soundgarden and Iron Maiden and Warren Zevon and the White Stripes into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What was I thinking? That they would put any of those four performers or acts into the Rock Hall of Fame. Stephen Piercy, of course, mentions Motley Crue, says, first and foremost, they should be in, but they won't get in. 
And he has to basically say, thank God we got Van Halen in. Of course, the whole West Coast Sunset Strip 70s and 80s scene. Rat and Motley Crue and Van Halen, of course, intertwined in that music scene. The Whiskey A Go-Go, of course, the Rainbow. But good for Stephen Piercy. I've always said, you say what's on your mind. Don't apologize. You apologize for the small stuff. You apologize for bumping into somebody in the hallway accidentally at your office, your place of work. You don't apologize for saying what's in your heart, for better or for worse. Just like I talked about what D. Snyder and Paul Stanley said. And I agree with them. I'm not apologizing to anybody for how I feel about it. And the people who feel the opposite shouldn't apologize to me either. Now, of course, Smashing Pumpkins put out a brand new rock opera this past Friday, not today, one week ago, Autumn, three CDs, 33 songs. Billy Corgan, of course, the leader of Smashing Pumpkins, came out recently and said he had to pay a ransom out of his own pocket to prevent a hacker from leaking tracks from Autumn. Obviously, with this kind of a project, took a long, long time to put together. Had to. And I feel bad for Billy Corgan. Whether you like Smashing Pumpkins or not, and I'm kind of in the middle, and we'll talk more about them later, but I feel bad that he had to pay some geek who hacked into some database and stole his songs just to try to keep the music from leaking early so he could give us some kind of a a spontaneous release, have some kind of control over his own artistic output. That's a shame. That's an absolute shame. We've got a couple classic rock bands not necessarily at the peak kind of that middle of the road area with these bands kicks don't close your eyes kicks is retiring they've got some summer dates lined up but they are planning one last show in september to call it quits Now, also, a little bit more punk 90s music, Sum 41, also breaking up. But they do have one last album they are going to release. This is like Peter Gabriel and that I slash O, I O, whatever you want to call it. Another basically unpronounceable album title. It's Heaven, Maybe times hell but there's some other figures in there that might mess up the pronunciation whatever heaven hell heaven and hell heaven times hell some 41 their final album coming soon now of course they're going out on tour with the offspring 
And here on the Fortress of Rock, we will have a review of that show for you late summer. And then I believe from what I can I can glean from the press release, Sum 41 will go out on one last headlining tour before calling it quits. All right, let's talk new music. The dam has broken. I'm telling you guys, we have got so much great new music coming from now until the end of August. It's ridiculous. You know some of the names. We've got Rival Sons coming. We've got Mammoth WVH coming. Now we have news that Queens of the Stone Age are back after a very, very long break from recording. The brand new Queens of the Stone Age album, In Time's New Roman, will be out June the 16th, barely a month from now. We'll discuss the first single more at the end of the show in Wrap It Up. But great to hear, finally, Josh Hom, Homie, Homie, however you pronounce his name. I have never been able to figure it out. Homie just sounds cooler. Homie sounds more rock and roll. But In Time's New Roman from Queens of the Stone Age out June the 16th. I have looked at the track list. If you like your Q-O-T-S-A puns, about half the songs on this album fit the bill. After over 10 years, one of the Fortress of Rock's all-time favorite underrated bands is back. They've been dropping songs here and there over the past decade, but never really did we get a promise of a new album. I've seen them in concert. The energy level is phenomenal. This band, if you do not know who they are, Shame on you. The Hives are back. The new album is called The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons. Supposedly the mysterious sixth member of the band. So, of course, the cover shows the other five members hovering over the grave. This is the kind of bizarre, crazy, creative stuff this band has been doing for two decades. So the death of Randy Fitzsimmons is out August the 11th. And I highly recommend you go out and listen to The Hives if you have never heard them play before. Maybe at the tail end of MTV before it became trash reality TV. You caught the video for Hate to Say I Told You So, their biggest hit. Check out the album Veni Vidi Vicious, one of my favorite albums of all time. I can't tell you how happy, ecstatic I am that we are finally getting to hear new music from The Hives. 
The Pretenders have a new album coming out. Of course, by now, we all know that The Pretenders are basically Chrissy Hind and whoever she wants to let play with her, musically. And of course, you guys know, going back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, how I feel about The Pretenders being in in the dozens and dozens of legacy acts that we all know and love who can't even get consideration because of the snobbery of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But somehow the pretenders are in the Rock Hall of Fame. And they have a new album out, September the 1st. The album is Relentless. And just like with Queens of the Stone Age, Hang out till the end, the final segment, wrap it up, and we'll discuss the first single, Off Relentless. <laughs> then finally, when it comes to new music, I am torn. I am torn by this. I don't know how to handle this. There are plenty of people who recently have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who I like, who are cool. Willie Nelson's getting in this year. Kind of hard not to like Willie on some level. I think he's a stupid old pothead for the most part. But when I was growing up, I remember the old school country before it became all poppy. I remember on the road again and always on my mind. So I can respect Willie Nelson. I don't think he deserves a spot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ahead of Ario Speedwagon or Styx. I think that's absolute garbage. I think it's hypocrisy. But then last year we talked about Dolly Parton. Again, Dolly Parton, old school country act. Respect. Admire her. Very smart businesswoman. You can tell by all the projects she's been involved with over the years, over the decades that have succeeded. Now, we talked about the fact her new album, Rockstar, was going to feature a who's who of classic rock artists. And this was what she promised. She said, if I get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I will put out a rock album. So again, I got to show a little bit of respect for Dolly Parton. I still don't think she belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But now the details on Rockstar have been firmed up. Out November the 17th. We just talked about Smashing Pumpkins and their brand new rock opera. Three CDs, 33 songs. Well, Dolly Parton is not one, it looks like, to take a back seat. Out November the 17th, Rockstar will have 30 songs. 30 songs, 21 covers. As I just mentioned, featuring some of the biggest names in classic rock and roll. But here's what's intriguing, and I give Dolly Parton again credit for this. The first single, which just came out yesterday, May the 11th, 
is World on Fire. It is an original. So good for her. She's not resting on the laurels of all these cover songs and all these classic rock artists guesting on her album Rockstar. So she's putting what she feels her best foot forward out there right away with an original song, World on Fire. Now that's going to do it for the new music news, but we have a little bit to discuss in terms of tours. Chicago is not calling it quits. Despite the age of some of the members, the original members, I believe three original members, classic lineup members still in Chicago, they are hitting the road and hitting the road hard this year. Their 2023 U.S. tour consists of over 60, 60 dates running from May through November. And yes, we get older and we listen to a little bit more mellow music maybe than we did when we were younger. I like to think I've kind of been able to honor both sides of that yin and yang. Saw Chicago about six years ago, five, six years ago. They were great. I mean, absolutely great. I recommend you check out Chicago if you have a chance. They are a great live band. And then finally, lots of health issues, COVID, lots of of health troubles for Ringo Starr's all-star band. We've talked about this in the past here on The Fortress. Well, the optimist Ringo Starr says we're past all of that. Of course, Colin Hay of Men at Work, Steve Lukather of Toto in his all-star band. They are hitting the road, hoping and praying, I'm sure, that they don't have any more health issues. 19 dates set for the fall. Looks like they're all in the United States, September and October. Now I will, I will profess my ignorance to Ringo Starr and his all-star band. I don't know. Do they play songs from all the other bands that the other guys, do they play Toto? Do they play Men at Work? I'm sure they play Ringo's greatest hits and probably some Beatles songs. I'm just curious. Get on the Facebook page for me if you have seen Ringo Starr's All-Star Band and let me know, do they play these songs from these other All-Star Band members and the, the groups that they were in before? Just curious. I'm sure I could Google it. But why don't you guys participate? All right, that's going to do it for News of the World. Segment one is done for this week, episode 91. Quick promo break coming up. And I'll be right back with the new album from Winger, Seven, 
and some new songs from Rival Sons and Matchbox 20. So don't go anywhere. The Maestro will be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the Maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown, where we are going to review all the new songs, all the new albums, all the new concert tours, the shows that I've seen personally. Stay tuned for that. Of course, we're now available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hang out, kids. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, it's time for new music here on the Fortress of Rock. I, of course, am the maestro, Kevin Crane. You are who you are. Breakdown, segment two, as always, every Friday night, our tribute to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. New album from Winger leads things off. Been waiting for this one for a while. I don't think Winger gets the abuse that they used to. I think people have come around on the fact that they are not the the poppy 80s hair metal band with the pretty boy lead singer with the teased hair, trying to show off his chest hair. After you listen to Karma and Better Days Coming, their last two albums, now albeit we're going back eight, nine, ten years to encapsulate the releases for both of those albums, both great albums, both darker, heavier than what we got from Winger at the beginning of their career. And I am not disparaging the beginning of Winger's career. I will stand by songs like 17. An Easy Come, Easy Go. Great, great hair metal songs. But Winger grew up. Winger adapted. And I, for one, think they are a better band for it, and I think they're fantastic. I embrace the old Winger and the new Winger. Now, the new album, Seven, is out. Yes, it's their seventh album. And this, to me, kind of falls somewhere in between the old winger and the newer winger. It's not quite as dark, quite as serious as some of the themes. You can always go back to 4, which was really the turning point album for them. They're least successful, but that's where Kip Winger kind of turned a page in his life in his songwriting and things got got much more serious in his lyrics and his songwriting 
So we have 12 tracks on seven, and as always here, well, most of the time, we go track by track in breakdown this week with Winger 7. And of course, the first song was the first single off of 7. That would be Proud Desperado. Proud Desperado, excellent, excellent song. Darker, darker for Winger. Talking about guns and dying and Definitely not talking about underage women like uh, Kip and the Boys did back on their first album way, way back. And you'll notice as we go through these 12 songs, there is a theme, a very heavy theme of religion and mortality. And that seems to be what a lot of these artists are singing about nowadays. And of course, they're getting older, just like you and I are. So maybe that's expected. We should be expecting it to be more commonplace for guys who rode the lightning, let's say, back in the 80s and the early 90s, and now are in their 50s and 60s, maybe even pushing 70, and looking at how the road in front of them is a lot shorter than the road behind them. So, of course, that leads us into song two, a, another great song, very, what I would call an urgent, perfect guitar riff for the song from Reb Beach. The song is Heaven's Falling. There you go. Uh, and Reb Beach, by the way, if I don't say it enough as we go through these songs, phenomenal showing on this album from Reb Beach. His guitar work is exemplary. And uh, hmm, maybe he might sing later on, but we'll get to that. So Heaven's Falling, along with Proud Desperado, great one-two punch. Another thing, another kind of theme we're seeing from a lot of artists lately, from the the legacies, the, the 80s bands, the 70s bands. They're coming in with this great one-two punch on the new albums they're putting out. Now, here's the thing. Can you sustain the momentum? Can you sustain the goodwill that you've created with these first two great songs? And there have been bands, we just talked about LA Guns recently with Black Diamonds, where they couldn't really sustain the momentum from the great first two songs on their new album. Winger does a better job but still not perfect. Tears of Blood, the third song, is very good. I will give them that. A lot, again, a lot of religious connotations, mentions of Judas and redemption. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that Metallica pretty much owns the word unforgiven when it comes to rock song titles that this song should have been called unforgiven instead of tears of blood but it's a very good third song so to this point seven is still keeping up that momentum and still really really good borderline excellent 
Then we hit the wall. Then we hit the wall. I don't know what track four Resurrect Me is supposed to be. But again, resurrection, another religious theme. I've always said that the worst guitar riff I've ever heard in my life in a popular song was by one of my favorite guitar players of all time. Do you remember the song Higher by Creed? Huge hit song. Of course, Mark Tremonti. Love Mark Tremonti. His his own band now. And then, of course, along with Miles Kennedy, leading Alter Bridge. But when he was in Creed and he put together that awful guitar hook, that guitar riff in Higher, ugh, makes me cringe thinking about it. Well, Resurrect Me's guitar riff isn't much better. It's, again, another guitar player I love, admire, and respect in Red Beach. But this is just a little too cheesy for me. The song ends up sounding like a mash, a mosh, a mashup, whatever you want to call it, of Striper and Judas Priest. Now... I'm probably being a little too harsh and cruel on the song. It's not the worst song ever. I'll take it over higher any day. But it it fits lyrically, theme-wise, with what's come before. But musically, it just sounds like this is where we're starting to see the old winger come into play. The boys are getting dragged back into the pastels and the hairspray and the mock the mocking shirt that Stuart wore on uh, Beavis and Butthead, where of course Beavis and Butthead wore Metallica and ACDC and Stuart ridiculed for wearing a winger shirt, which by the way, winger sells at all their shows, so they get the joke, and you got to respect and admire them for that. But Resurrect Me kind of hurts the album a third of the way through. Then we get Voodoo Fire, track five. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to say it's fantastic. It's a placeholder doesn't kill the momentum, doesn't help the momentum. But coming after Resurrect Me, you kind of wanted something that would bring the proceedings up a bit. Then we move on to track six, Broken Glass. A little bit better. A little more solid. We're starting to get to the second half. The momentum, maybe, building back up for a good second half with seven and then on track seven we get it a an unbelievably extremely creative song called it's okay which starts off with the the whole voice box thing that peter frampton and bon jovi made famous this is the song where reb beach comes in as co-vocalist with kip winger 
The chorus is very creepy, wild, weird, nutsy cuckoo. Uh, I love this song. I absolutely love it. This is, again, creative beyond belief. This is what I think we've come to expect from Winger based on karma and Better Days Coming. Again, I hate to keep going back to those two albums, but if you've not heard those albums, you've got to go back and listen to them. And It's Okay kind of fits with that more serious, newer version of Winger. As does the next song. Track 8, Stick the Knife in and Twist. Just a straight-ahead, nasty rocker about, of course, that femme fatale with the tattoo of 666. Another, another biblical reference. Great, great song, Stick the Knife in and Twist. Great title. Great title. Then things kind of die out again. So we've got the ebbs and the flows. High, low, high, and now we go low again. One Light to Burn, track nine, pretty good, but not not up to the level of the, the best songs here on 7 that we've been exposed to. Then track 10, Do or Die, falls into kind of the same trap as Resurrect Me, where it just feels like the boys are backsliding. When you've got people in the background yelling, fight, fight. Makes my eye twitch. I get an involuntary spasm. Because I expect more from Winger. I expect more from, from them than Resurrect Me and Do or Die. Those were the two most disappointing songs by far on 7. Then we get track 11, Time Bomb. Much better. Again, solid, solid song leading us into the finale. Song 12, the epic seven plus minute. It all comes back around. How great of an ending track, an ending title song is that? The tempo changes, the unbelievable guitar work from Red Beach, the epic feel of the song. Already one of my favorite songs of the year. And a great choice to close out the album seven. Leaves you feeling much better about the album as a whole. You tend to forget the low points and remember the high points more. So again, for the third and final time, I will reference Karma and Better Days Coming and say it, 7 is not quite up to the standards that those two phenomenal albums set for Winger roughly a decade ago, give or take a year or two, depending on what you're talking about between those two albums and release dates. But I love 7 for what it is. It's better 
as you know, I love to say this, it's better than 99% of the garbage that's out there right now. So even though it's not their best effort, it is a great effort. And I recommend you check out Seven. Yes, the seventh album from Kip Winger, Reb Beach, and the boys in Winger. All right, we got two new songs for you this week. Let's start off with Matchbox 20. Second single from their upcoming album is Don't Get Me Wrong. And no, we talked about The Pretenders in the first segment. It is not a remake of The Pretenders' classic hit. Brand new song from Rob Thomas, vastly underrated songwriter. People forgot. Now, he used to be in the spotlight. People used to acknowledge the fact that he was the hot songwriter. When he penned the massive Santana comeback hit, Smooth, he could do no wrong. He was the man, the myth, the legend. And I still think to this day, he is one of the best songwriters that I have ever encountered. Does he, in his solo career, along with some of the stuff he's done with Matchbox 20, make a couple mistakes, a couple missteps? Of course he does. But for the most part, Rob Thomas knows how to put together a catchy, witty pop rock song better than almost anybody else. To me, I put him up there with my favorites, Bono, Dave Perner of Soul Asylum, even Bruce Springsteen on his better days no pun intended. Now I'll admit, I miss the old Matchbox 20. There was something about the first couple of albums, a little bit darker. Yes, you noticed the trend. I talked about this with Winger. I like when my artists, my songwriters, my performers are more introspective. They look into the darker sides of the heart and the soul. And the first couple Matchbox 20 albums did that. They found a nice balance between being radio accessible, poppy, and still having dark lyrics looking at the bad side of relationships, the bad side of life. Of course, talking about yourself or someone like you and Mad Season, too unbelievable albums now but ever since those two albums matchbox 20 has had to deal with rob thomas again you can look at the santana success and then of course he goes off on his own and does solo albums hit and miss some of his solo albums are phenomenal some are okay been listening to the last Matchbox 20 album North here recently in preparation for the new album. I mean, we're talking now a decade removed from North. 
And you still hear on that album a good band, but not a great band like they were at the beginning. They were hungry. They were young. More energy. So we'll see where they go now with the new album. And of course, the new tour delayed a couple times due to COVID. I will get to see them. I will have a review for you in August of Matchbox 20 Live, second time that I will be seeing them. But for now, we have Don't Get Me Wrong, and it is what you would expect from Matchbox 20 circa 2023. It's not edgy. It's not dark. It's poppy. It's fun. It's catchy. I'll take it. Let's put it that way. Just like Wild Dogs Running in a Slow Dream, the first release off the upcoming album. Rob Thomas, again, knows how to put together this type of a song. It'll get in your head. It'll burrow in. And you will be humming it and singing it to yourself for the next week after you hear it. If these two songs are any indication of how good their new album is, we should be in for a treat. Still not going to be as good as the old stuff. I remember when I heard Long Day for the first time. The beginning of Long Day where he's singing above the acoustic guitar about the note sitting on the second shelf and just, it it's a gut punch. You could relate to it. You could feel the energy, the emotion, the frustration, the anger. And that's what I've missed from Matchbox 20 for so long. So in the end, Matchbox 20 probably becomes one of those bands still popular beyond belief, but never really fully realized their potential of what they could have become. And again, you can blame Rob Thomas's success as a solo artist or as a songwriter outside of his band. But I'm kind of rooting for him. I'm kind of rooting for them to come back as close to full throttle as they can be now with this brand new album. So the first two songs, including this one here, we're discussing this week on The Fortress, Don't Get Me Wrong. I'm looking at this as very optimistic for what we're going to get from the rest of the new music coming from Matchbox 20 later on into this summer. Now, I have talked a lot, a lot about this band over the last year plus, gushing about them. This is a band that is at their peak right now, in my opinion. Now, they've been around for a while, but they are doing the slow crawl, the slow climb to success, and they might never get there. They might never become a Matchbox 20. 
A lot of people say they've already peaked with pressure and time. And you guys heard that song nonstop about four or five months ago in a truck commercial. I can't remember if it was GMC or Ford, who it was. But they played pressure and time nonstop in this truck commercial. A lot of people say that was the best you're going to get out of Rival Sons. But I'm telling you, seeing them in concert for the first time last year, the energy they're putting out there to this day, years and years and years after they debuted, they are still a force, in my opinion, to be reckoned with in rock and roll. And the fourth single from the upcoming album, Dark Fighter, is Guillotine. And this, while I can't say it's a great song, still gives me hope. Why, you may ask the maestro, why does a song that you don't think is all that great give you hope? Because it's trying to do something different. It is trying. Guillotine is trying to do something off the beaten path. We seem to praise bands like U2 for trying different things. Zuropa and Pop. And they failed miserably. Guillotine is an experimental song for the Rival Sons. And while it might not be great, I liked it enough where it tells me that this is a band that's willing to push the boundaries, stretch their limitations, give us things that don't sound all the same, that don't come off as cookie cutter and the same old, same old. You too had to revert back to their old quote unquote classic sound because they failed when they tried to experiment. I don't think that applies to a band like Rival Sons. I think this is a band that is still young enough, still vibrant enough, still creative enough, where they can put out a song like Guillotine. And it's off the beaten path, but it's still intriguing and interesting. In the context of the upcoming album, Dark Fighter, I bet this will fit perfectly among the other singles. And, of course, the rest of the album. We've already talked about Rapture and Nobody Wants to Die and Bird in the Hand and how awesome those songs were. I have a great, great feeling that Dark Fighter is going to be one of the best albums of 2023. All right, kids, that's going to do it for Breakdown. Hope you enjoyed discussing Winger and Matchbox 20 and Rival Sons. But I have got to strap into the Rock and Roll DeLorean. We've got to go back in time. Doc Brown firing up the car to 1.21 gigawatts. It is time for I Want to Go Back after a quick promo break. We'll be right back. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music 
in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, kids, it's about that time. Doc Brown and I are in the DeLorean, the rock and roll DeLorean, heading back in time, jumping into the time stream to discuss anniversaries of classic album releases, birthdays, and moments in rock history. Yes, it is segment three here, episode 91 of the Fortress of Rock. It is I Want to Go Back, our tribute to the late, great Eddie Money. Now, you guys know, of course, at this time, each and every Friday night, I have to take care of some bitness. First up, you have found us somewhere. You can always find links to each and every podcast episode of the Fortress of Rock on our Facebook page. But you have plenty of options. If Spotify upsets you or Apple makes you angry, you can go somewhere else and listen to the Fortress of Rock. We are available on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Amazon Music, Audible, and Stitcher. And then, of course, as brilliant, as great of a rock and roll mind as I have, it's still not good enough. There are gaps. There are memory issues. So I need help. So I have some sources that I look to to give me some of these story ideas that I regale you with each and every week here on The Fortress. And, of course, the three main sources I have are ultimateclassicrock.com, the Van Halen News Desk, and thisdayinmusic.com. All right, Doc Brown, he's he wants to be like a producer, a director. He wants to tell me what to do this week. He wants to start off, I want to go back with our anniversaries. He says he wants to save the best for last because we have got an unbelievable slate of rock and roll birthdays this week. So we will start off. Doc Brown's driving. Don't upset the driver. Don't make the driver drive angry. So we'll start off with anniversaries this week. And we're going to start off with one where you guys are going to go, huh? Why are we talking about this on the Fortress of Rock? I like to pay respect to all types of music. Maybe not rap, but otherwise all types of music. Unfortunately, on this day, May the 12th in 2001, 
Perry Como died. And again, you probably got to be about 10 years older than me to really know and respect Perry Como. But I will tell you this, because I'm a numbers guy. The numbers say Perry Como is an all-time great. 14 number one U.S. singles for Perry Como. And that was before Billboard started SoundScan in the early 90s and started to manipulate everything. That makes it all that much more impressive. 14 number one singles for the late, great Perry Como, who died today in 2001. On this day in 1973, I mean, is there not an album that's maybe Presence, maybe In Through the Outdoor from Led Zeppelin, not considered classic albums? Outside of those two, I think every Led Zeppelin album is widely regarded as a classic and all-time great. On this day in 1973, Houses of the Holy was the number one album in the United States. And I'll admit, I like Zeppelin, don't love them. I'm not a fanatic, uh, just never, never really got into them. I kind of missed the boat on them based on, You know, the mid to late 70s was really when I started to get into rock and roll. So I just kind of missed out on them, barely got in on Kiss. And then, of course, was firmly entrenched for the arrival of Van Halen. And then finally, in our little mini segment here with anniversaries, two significant moments for the Rolling Stones both on this day, May the 12th, 1972, Exile on Main Street was released, and I will tell you this. I maybe like the Rolling Stones a little bit more than Zeppelin, but again, still not one of my all-time favorites. Again, a lot due to the fact of when I grew up, when I was really starting to get exposed to classic rock in the mid to late 70s into the 80s but i have listened to exile on main street i couldn't help about a decade and a half ago i couldn't help but listen to the critical noise about how exile on main street was this all-time fantastic album and i had to have it in my collection and i had to listen to it and it was just going to change my life forever. I don't like it at all. I kind of find it dull, boring, doesn't do much for me at all. I'm the guy. I'm the guy when it comes to the Rolling Stones. One of their most reviled albums of all time is Dirty Work. And I love Dirty Work. I think Dirty Work's an awesome album. But I've got critics telling me, oh, Exile on Main Street, you can't live without it. 
Give me a break. I will go on record as saying it is the most overrated, one of the most overrated albums of all time. Now, this, when it comes to the Rolling Stones, this song is not overrated. It is one of the greatest rock songs of all time. Finally, wrapping up anniversaries, May the 12th, 1965. I can't get no satisfaction was recorded, I believe in Hollywood, by said Rolling Stones. Can't argue with the fact that when music's personal, of course, you're going to have your own personal favorite songs, but in the pantheon of songs that need to be recognized as all-time greats, you cannot argue with I Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones as one of the all-time great rock and roll songs. All right, let's move on to birthdays, and it's time for me to cheat. I love you guys out there, I do, but sometimes I have to go astray. (laughs) I'm basically cheating because I have to bring up a birthday that did not happen on May the 12th, first and foremost. have to go back a few days to May the 8th. Why? Because it's about Van Halen. And that is the one rule here on the Fortress of Rock, is if it involves Van Halen or anybody who was in Van Halen, I will bring it up regardless of the day, time, week. So May the 8th. Alex Van Halen. His birthday. Alex Van Halen, 70 years old now. Turned 70 just a few days ago, as I mentioned, on May the 8th. We will always honor each and every past member of Van Halen. Alive, dead, because that's what we do here on my podcast. The greatest rock band of all time will always get recognition. And we'll break the rules for them. So, a few days late, but happy 70th birthday to the great Alex Van Halen. Now, like I said, we have got a lot of significant birthdays on May the 12th, starting off 1959, Billy Duffy, the great guitarist for The Cult, was born on this day. The Cult, one of those bands, again, I'm hit and miss on. When they are good, they are really, really good. And when they're not, they are really, really boring. They are a cure for insomnia. When Ian Asbury indulges in his tangents, let's put it that way. But Billy Duffy, great guitar player from the cult, born today, May the 12th, 1959. Also on this day, little known singer, but 
sang lead vocals for a couple important bands. Also, again, born today, May the 12th on 1959. Ray Gillen. Ray Gillen sang lead for Badlands and Black Sabbath. Obviously, the least known lead singer for Black Sabbath. But not a not a bad couple of bands to be singing lead for, even if it was for a short period of time. May the 12th, 1958. If you were a drummer for KISS, one of the few, the proud, you deserve mention here. So, May the 12th, 1958, Eric Singer, drummer for KISS, was born. Now, for me personally, this next one, very important, very important. We just finally got a new song from him here about two months ago. I think one of the most underrated artists of the 80s. I would put him in my Rock and Roll Hall of Fame based on the influence he had on me and the people around me in high school who listened to rock and roll. Never gets the credit he deserves. All we've been seeing lately is how his career was destroyed by one terrible video on MTV. But everybody forgets all the other great stuff he put out. Yes, I'm talking about the one, the only, Billy Squire. One of my favorites of all time, Billy Squire, born today, May the 12th, 1950. Do the math, kids. That puts him at 73 years old. Man, that makes me feel ancient. But Billy Squire, Don't Say No, one of the most impactful, important albums of my teenage years. And I'm not the only one. I guarantee I could round up some of my friends from high school, other friends that I've grown close to since then, and we all agree. Billy Squire, Don't Say No, Emotions in Motion, some of the greatest rock and roll of the 80s. And like Stephen Piercy said in segment one in News of the World, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the critics, they don't care about 80s bands or 80s performers, even though they're far better than anything that they listen to. May the 12th, 1948. We're not done with these significant birthdays yet, kids. Steve Winwood. Of course, if you want to go way, way back in rock history, member of the Spencer Davis group. But those of us of a certain age remember him as a solo artist. Very successful solo career. Now, I remember his first solo album, Ark of a Diver, When You See a Chance. And then, of course, the title track, I thought were very cool, keyboard-driven, of course. Kind of moody, atmospheric pop hits. 
And then later on, he kind of branched out and became even more poppy, higher love. I don't need to hear that song ever again in my life. But Steve Winwood, here's another guy. And I don't even really like him all that much. He's okay. Steve Winwood needs to be considered as a solo artist for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm shocked, given the fact that critics always seem to like him, that he has never even gotten close to getting in. Then finally, a poignant final birthday as we wrap up, I want to go back. Burt Bacharach, one of the greatest composers, songwriters of all time. Why is it poignant? Why is it poetic and sad? You guys should know. We just talked about it a few months ago. Burt Bacharach just died on February the 8th of 2023. Just over three months ago, Bert Bacharach died, and now we discuss his birthday. And of course, so many great songs that he wrote or co-wrote, but of course, the one that always sticks with me from the soundtrack for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, just one of the greatest, most well-written songs lyrically of all time raindrops keep falling on my head just an incredible song all right i think doc brown is happy i think he liked the fact i i opened with perry como and closed with burt Bacharach. given how old he is he seems to be very happy with me nodding his head winking and smiling at me as we pull the rock and roll DeLorean back into the fortress of rock, pull up the drawbridge, put the piranhas and the sharks back in the moat. Just kidding. And wrap up. I want to go back. Segment three is done for this week, but we have still got to wrap things up. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, lots of new music, unbelievable amounts of new music to talk about. Wow. So you do not want to miss Wrap It Up. Segment four coming up after a quick promo break. I am the maestro and I'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. 
what's coming out here in the next month or two, what songs, what albums, what concert tours. That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, everybody. We're just about done with the Fortress of Rock. I have had a ton of fun this week with all the new music news, Queens of the Stone Age, The Hives, Stephen Piercy going off on the Rock Hall of Fame. It has been a great, great episode here. Talking about Winger and Rival Sons and Matchbox 20, three of my favorite bands. Billy Squire's birthday, Alex Van Halen's birthday. But we're not done yet. It's still fun here for a couple minutes here on the Fortress of Rock. Episode 91, May the 12th, 2023. It is time for Wrap It Up our tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds discussing the music we will be reviewing in the coming weeks. Still no concerts. I'm so sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Lawn passes are in the mail. John Mellencamp still about a month away. I'm telling you after that though, it's all downhill. The roller coaster starts going downhill, and it will be week after week after week of concert reviews for you here on the Fortress all the way through into early September. But we have got plenty of new music to discuss and to review on future episodes in Breakdown. Starting next week, this is going to take a while. First time we've ever done this. We've discussed Smashing Pumpkins' brand new rock opera, Autumn, which just came out last Friday. Even I cannot do justice to reviewing a 33-song, three-CD set in one episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to space this out. And I'm not saying we're going to do it all in three weeks either. But next week on The Fortress, we will review the first act, the first CD of Autumn. 11 songs for you from Billy Corgan and company next week. The first CD, the first act of Autumn. Now, why am I not promising to just do three straight weeks? Because I am a selfish jerk. And while I like the Smashing Pumpkins, they're really, in the end, hit, hit and miss for me. A band I like much more, Dave Matthews Band, their new album, Walk Around the Moon. That comes out on the 19th, so we will have a review of that for you on the 26th, May the 26th, that episode, we will review Dave Matthews Band's brand new album, Walk Around the Moon. So we'll we'll do the first part of Smashing Pumpkins, take a break, do some Dave Matthews, and then we'll come back 
I figure by the time we get to the end of June, we will have a full review of Autumn from Smashing Pumpkins for you. Wow, have we got a lot of songs. Wow, have we got a lot of songs. Last week we mentioned Bush, All Things Must Change, a bonus track on the deluxe edition of The Art of Survival. We also mentioned another new Peter Gabriel song, Four Kinds of Horses. Yes, those are both still on the agenda. But wow, this week just bombarded with brand new stuff. Great, great brand new stuff. We mentioned The Hives in segment one, the brand new album, The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons. The first single is out. I am giddy. I cannot wait to review this for you guys. The first single is Bogus Operandi. Hoping to have it for you next week. I'm not making any promises. With all these new songs, I'm going to listen to what strikes my fancy, what mood I'm in. Good chance next week we will get the hives and bogus operandi. We mentioned a new Pretenders album, Relentless, out in September. We may possibly review the first single, Let the Sun Come In. But again, given how I feel about the Pretenders, you never know. We talked about Queens of the Stone Age and their brand new album, In Time's New Roman, out June the 16th. And the first single from that album is out, Emotion Sickness. (laughs) Again, I, I mentioned in segment one, the puns. Josh Homme loves the puns. Not motion sickness, emotion sickness. Have a very strong feeling that will be on the agenda for next week. New Mammoth WVH, come on. Is this awesome or what? Second single from the upcoming Mammoth 2 album, Like a Pastime. We mentioned Dolly Parton, dare I say it? Do I dare commit to this? Will we review the first single from Rockstar, the song World on Fire? We'll put it out there. Maybe, maybe not. You might get a review of, yes, a Dolly Parton song here on the Fortress of Rock. Second single from John Mellencamp. Orpheus Descending, already out. It just seems like yesterday that he put out Hey God. But the second single from John Mellencamp's brand new album, The Eyes of Portland. Now that one probably were a couple weeks away. And then we also have a new song from Brian Adams. I don't know what to make of this. I haven't listened to it yet, but just reading the the rundown on what this song is, it's Brian Adams doing an anti-war song. 
Brian Adams must be channeling his inner hippie. The song is What If There Were No Sides At All. Uh, With respect, because I, again, we talked about Billy Squire. Brian Adams kind of fits into that same mold for me, except Billy Squire never put anything offensive out that upset me. Billy Squire just kind of faded off into the sunset, decided not to do rock and roll anymore. Whereas Brian Adams, you had cuts like a knife. One of the the great rock albums of the 80s. Before that, you had the, the massive, awesome hit single, at least to me. I know it wasn't a, a big charting hit, but his first hit, Lonely Nights, was one of the catchier songs you will ever hear. And then, of course, Into the Fire. And then, of course, we got the awful, terrible, one of the worst songs of all time, Ballad, from Robin Hood. Anything I do, I do it for you. Right down there with open arms from Journey and Can't Fight This Feeling from Ario Speedwagon. Three of the most crappy, terrible, awful songs of all time from artists I would otherwise say I respect and admire. So, possibly, maybe, we will review the anti-war song from Brian Adams, What If There Were No Sides At All, in the next two or three weeks, maybe, here on The Fortress. And that's going to do it. We have finished up episode 91. You and I, working together as a team, cats and dogs living together, but we make it work. So as always, hypocritically, I quote from an artist that I do not like, but it is a great summation of how we should all live our lives. Love the one you're with. I am the maestro Kevin Crane. This has been the Fortress of Rock. We will see you. We will talk to you. We will discuss rock and roll in seven days. Take care. Have a great weekend. We will see you next Friday night.